Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are live. Welcome to the first official week of Pandemic Quarantine 2020. Lockdown time. Lockdown. <laughs> well, so look, we've been, um, Julie and I are going to keep uh, the podcasts a little bit less formal this week. You guys like that new format that we started on Sunday, so we're gonna, on our Sunday shows. So we're going to continue with that. We obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, you guys may or may not know this. We're the nation's leading coaching and training organization for real estate agents. So we sort of have this frontline perspective on everything that's going on in your guys' heads <laughs> because we talk to some of the nation's leading agents on a regular basis on one-on-one calls, but also from our, we have a big group coaching program. We have all kinds of different ways that we have direct contact with agents across the United States and really the rest of the world as well. And what we're going to be doing um, is taking those the feedback we're getting from all of you, and we're going to be consolidating that or encapsulating that into really practical, tactical information. Because here's what we know. Um, again, we're going to be sharing with you guys a lot of specific information. If, listen to our past podcasts we've done on the pandemic because we're not going to um, be talking about those same topics again. What we're going to be doing over the next few days is we're going to be giving you guys the real drill down on what you should be doing now, but also we're going to be telling you what our predictions are and where we're getting this information. We're not just pulling it out of the air, but what our predictions are for the rest of the year so that you guys can plan because you know the conclusion that we've come to after talking with a lot of people that are much smarter than Julie and I, which isn't hard to do, is that this is more like September 11th in terms of the ramifications than it is like after the housing crash. And that's a good thing. And it's a bad thing. The good reason is, is because it won't, it'll, there's going to be a sharp, fast decline in a lot of things, including real estate stock market values. And again, we're going to be getting into that and there'll be an equally fast recovery. And we're going to be telling you when we think that's going to be happening. Welcome to to the podcast, Mrs. Harris. Yes, it's already been an adventure today with lots of different coaching uh, calls and clients in different areas of the country. And I think that that's uh, a real advantage to our listeners, actually, because we get that cross-section of what's happening. And I've, I've been taking notes um, with some feedback, what's out there. So by and large, appointments are still happening. Listing appointments are still happening. Of course, if you're in one of the hot zones like Seattle or parts of Massachusetts, you might be feeling more of a crunch on those appointments. But by and large, people are still going. Showings are happening, whether those are lease showings or purchase showings. Closings are happening. Now, I wanted to start with something a little bit light, so bear with me for a couple of minutes. Um, One of the things that I'm hearing is the awkwardness of the handshake. And that's happening when you go to the door on a listing. It's happening. I had um, one of my great Baltimore brokers was like, all right, I don't don't care. I'm not shaking your hand. It was awkward. It was the first time I dealt with it, but I'm not doing it. And that was at a closing. So in light of that, I did a little bit of research about what was the deal with handshakes anyway. And then I have a recommendation for going forward how you guys can deal with that. So a popular theory on the handshake's origin is that it began as a gesture of peace. And I thought this was really interesting. Grasping hands proved that you were not holding a weapon and shaking them was a way to ensure your partner that you had nothing hiding up your sleeve. 
Throughout the ancient world, the handshake appears on vases, gravestones, stone slabs, and scenes of weddings, gods making deals, warriors departing for war, uh, the newly dead's arrival to the afterlife. And in the literature, it goes all the way back to the Iliad and the Odyssey. So let's fast forward to today. In our country, it's likely that the handshake's popularity was propelled by 18th century Quakers. In their efforts to drop the hierarchy and social rank, they found the handshake a more democratic form of greeting than what they were coming from, which was the bow, the curtsy, taking your hat off, was more formal. So in their place, they put the practice of the handshake extended to everyone regardless of their station, as we do still. So that's the deal with the handshake, okay? I didn't know some of that. I thought it was interesting. And I, um, you know, there's more research you can do if you want to. But now what's going to replace the handshake? You guys have been fist bumping, elbow bumping. Um, Tim, you just got back from a car show where your car dudes were like ankle bumping. So I, you know, you can do any of those things. My point is to have a plan, but I like the namaste um, kind of like the prayer hands because it means the belief, uh, the belief that there is divine spark within each of us. That's what that means. And saying namaste, the divine light in me bows to the divine light within you. So that's an option, obviously, depending on who you're with. So, so that's my solution to your handshake woes. In case you were uh, ever in doubt that Julie Harris is a nerd, she just proved it to you. The fact who goes and Googles the history of the handshake. Well, I, I mean, Julie, I'm seriously. I'm doing my part. That is humanity. some serious high-level nerddom right there. Yeah, well, it just gets worse from here. So <laughs> this is the warning to everyone. You bring me this stuff, I'm going to help solve it for next, you. Next thing, she's going to start bringing Star Wars quotes. And you guys I just know. watch. She's, it's a, it's a, everyone reacts to uh, the stress of a pandemic in, in different ways. That's and, right. And, I nerd out. And Julia is nerding out. What is it? Right. It's a fast, slippery slope down to nerddom. That's right. Okay. So speaking of what to do, I wrote down another thing. This is very practical and tactical. Special stipulation forms are coming out from your boards of realtors, many of whom met over the weekend to create some of this language. So look for, and they're going to be called different things, but I'm hearing mostly special stipulation forms. And these are things like what to do to extend if you are affected by the virus, um, what to expect in terms of closing dates with mortgage lenders being backed up with a deluge of refinances. Um, some of it has to do with showing protocol and being able to deal with things like virtual showings with a letter intent uh, contingent on final showing. So look for special stipulation forms. It's probably being emailed to you in your email right now from your board. Well, Julie, I know you have a whole bunch of notes from your coaching calls this morning, and they probably aren't very congruent one to the other. I don't know if we really should just blast through those or just get to what we actually did research for these guys. Let's just go in and we can interject some of your sure, coaching. Sure, sure. It's you all know. related. All right. So first of all, we, here's the thing that you guys all got to remember. Um, is This is not going to last forever. And many of you, 99.9% .9 of you are going to be just fine. But some of the facts that we're about to give you are kind of scary, but we're going to put them in context. And the reason that Julie and I are continuously delivering you information on this topic is because we know the tendency, and it's fascinating. I'm sure many of you guys are on Facebook. You're reading the, you know, coronavirus deniers are starting to spin up that it's just a bunch of hype. And you're reading all these people that are then going to the other extreme that we're all going to be, you know, essentially the zombie apocalypse is next. So watching how people react to this, that don't try to fall, put yourself in either camp. Just realize that's really not your job as a leader, um, as someone who hopefully aspires to be a leader. 
Your job is to help people not be an opinion maker about essentially how to behave. And it's really important that you remember that because ultimately that's what you'll be remembered for. If you're somebody that essentially, I mean, I'm feeling sorry for some of these people on Facebook in particular who are just tripling down on the idea that it's just a big farce and it's somehow some big conspiracy just out to get this one or that one or the politician, political, whatever. I mean, it's all these people that are going to end up having to eat their words because they don't understand. They haven't done the work or they're still, they're so much in denial and, and for their own personal motivations. And I was asking, Julie and I were talking about this yesterday. Why is it that some people want to so remain uh, skeptical about the ramifications of the virus? And the only conclusion I came to ultimately was that um, they personally are not financially prepared for it. And that's what they're living in fear of. Well, so it's what, a form of denial, basically. Yeah. Exactly. And we saw that back when, um, after the housing crash too, the same thing, people basically reacted all kinds of different ways. So be an observer of other people's behavior. And it has an interesting psychological benefit to you as it keeps you out of your own head. Because the more you are in your own head, worrying about your own thoughts and the rest of it, the less you're inclined to be of service to other people. Because what happens is you turn yourself inward and you start focusing too much on yourself and you forget the fact that this is going to, you know, in the near future, this is going to be something that's going to be in our rear view mirrors. And when that happens, how you acted now will be remembered for the rest of your life. Um, and I know that sounds like a big statement, but it's also true because if you are the one of the one people, one person, well, how do I say that? If, one, of the people. one of the people that basically that were helping people to be calm and carry on, as it were, one of the people that was not just, you know, essentially discounting the fear that people were feeling, not trying to essentially um, play politics. If you are a leader in a time like this, they will reward you going forward by trusting you. And if you are on one of the extremes, people are going to remember that as well. Um, and so here's what you got to remember as we go through this whole process is it's your job to communicate. Ultimately, everything that Julie and I are going to read to you today, all these points that we found over the weekend when we were researching this, all this is going to point to the same thing. You have to be an over-communicator with everyone you can communicate with. The points that we're going to read you, I encourage you to share these with other people. Okay, so we're going to jump in. Now, here's some facts that we picked up from different sources. In some cases, we'll tell you the sources. In other cases, we won't because we frankly didn't write it down when we were researching this. But here's some facts. 50% of all Americans will contract the virus, 150 million people, as it's very communicable. This is on par with the common cold rhinovirus, of which there are 200 strains in which the majority of Americans will get two to four times per year. So, as we said last week, as we said the week before that, when we first started talking about the virus, which, by the way, we did before everyone else did because we knew it was real, um, you're going to see essentially half of all Americans get it, which means you're probably going to get it or people you know are probably going to get it. So the probability of us being able to escape uh, this virus is about zero. Now, what does that mean? In putting this in perspective, 70% of, Germ of Germany will con uh, contract it. That's 58 million people. This is the most relevant industrial economy to be affected. Now, why is it that they're 70% and we're 50%? Because they did not take action to wall themselves off and close their borders fast enough. And effectively, you're, suing, you're seeing the United States do the same thing. So let's make this practical and tactical. You need to totally and completely isolate yourself as much as you physically can for at least the next 14 days. 
in why because it keeps the virus from spreading. Now I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you guys something. And Julie, I didn't tell you about this. Sure. In the UK, did you know they're not taking the same quarantine yes, approach? Yes, I saw that, and I I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. So in the UK, <laughs> they're taking the opposite stance, which is interesting. Is they're not quarantining. They're not telling people to isolate themselves. Stuff's they're, not closed. Their stuff's it's, not closed. Yeah. And because what they're saying is, let's just let people get sick as hell in order to basically build up the antibodies so they don't continue to uh, manifest the virus and pass it along. But here's ultimately what the problem with that is. And the reason the United States and frankly, virtually everyone else on the planet's not doing that is the additional points that we're going to be sharing with you guys is there's a certain percent of people who will manifest a very uh, bad pneumonia or some other breathing issue that's going to force them into the hospitals or force them into some sort of medical supervised care. And what's going to happen statistically is the hospitals and whatnot are not going to be able to handle the number of people that are going to need respirators. That's what's happening across the world in Italy and other places like that. Julie and I listened to some podcasts um, from some people that live in Italy that are in the medical profession, and they were talking about just exactly what's happening is they're now having to ration health care. Rationing health care is sort of your worst case scenario. It's what happens basically when there's obviously not enough medical devices and medical you know, nurses and whatnot to go around. So then they have to make a decision as far as who they're going to care for first, and, that's, and that will result inevitably in more people basically dying. So in the UK, in the UK, they're taking the exact opposite approach as the rest of the world. So we'll have to see how, unfortunately, that does or does not work out. Um, and this is all, you know, untested grounds as far as how to act during a pandemic because there hasn't been one since the Spanish flu in 1918. Julie, that's right. So peak virus is expected to uh, go for the next eight weeks and then decline thereafter. And we know this because of the trajectory that happened in China. And places like that, they're already on the downswing. The virus does appear to be con concentrated in a band between 30 and 50 degrees north latitude, meaning that just like the common cold and flu, it prefers cold weather. So the coming summer in the northern hemisphere should help. That's to say that this virus is likely seasonal, just like all the other ones. Now, of those impacted, 80% will be early stage, 15% mid stage, and 5% critical. Early stage symptoms are like the common cold, mid stage are like the flu. Um, these are stay-at-home-for-two-weeks types of uh, rest protocol. 5% will be critical and, of course, highly weighted towards the elderly. So those are the statistics. Um, now, why are people freaking out more about this? Because the mortality rate is higher, on average up to 2%, but again, heavily weighted towards the elderly and immunocompromised, meaning up to 3 million people. In the U.S., about 3 million a year die mostly due to old age and disease, um, those two being highly correlated um, and of course, let's see, there will be significant overlap. So it doesn't necessarily mean that 3 million new deaths from the virus. It means that people, elderly people already uh, will be dying sooner because of respiratory issues. Well, and and it depends on the, you know, where they are located in the healthcare system. And, too. and purely based on numbers, the 5% that Julie just read to you, just doing the math for you guys, that means 7.5 million Americans will fall within that 5% category. And the older you are, and obviously the more underlying health issues you have, the worse you're going to basically be, you know, the more vulnerability you're going to have to the ill effects of this thing. And now look, it's important that you guys, again, realize that 
in times like this, this is the greatest opportunity to be of service to other people. And a lot of you need to accept the fact that you do not know how to be successful in real estate in a market like this. I know that sounds snotty and condescending, but it's also true. Business owners, the same. If you've not lived through the depression of 07 and 08, let alone all the economic calamity type things that have happened in the past 25 years, if you've been only selling real estate in the past 25 years, or I'm sorry, in the last 10 years, that uh, sense of fear and panic is legitimate. Don't try to discount it because it's you knowing that you don't know what to do in a market like this. When you're faced with essentially buyers that don't want to buy, sellers that don't want to sell, and we're going to go through, I think, what, tomorrow or the next day, hopefully, Mm -hmm. we're going to start going through specific scripts and tactics and things you guys can be doing to offset the the unbelievable amount of uh, negativity that's going to be coming out of consumers. It already is happening. I mean, if you're in a vacation market right now where you've had a lot of cash buyers, that market is going to take a hiatus probably for the next 60 to 90 days. So we're going to give you specific tactics on what you guys can do to thrive in a market like this, not just survive. But here's the bottom line. You just need to accept the fact that what you what it took for you to be successful in the last 10 years is not going to be what it's going to take for you to be successful in the next 10 years, let alone in 2020. I strongly encourage all of you, while you still can, to request a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. And all you got to do to get that is text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S to 31996. And for all of you guys who are in our premier coaching program, we are going to be uh, doubling down on the support um, that we provide for you. Starting hopefully this week, we're going to be giving you, ready for this guys, up to two hours every single day of semi-private coaching. Up to two hours because we know so many of you are going to have more complications with your deals and getting things closed. Up to two hours per day of intense drill down live essentially care and feeding of you and your business so you can thrive in this market. And the way you can learn about Premier Coaching, guys, is just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Or if you'd like to enroll quick, like now, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. All right, Julie, point number cinco. Let's see. I think we just did that one. Point number six, you addressed about what the UK is doing and the the differences. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Point number seven, uh, China's economy has been largely impacted, which has affected raw materials and global supply chain. It probably will take six months for it to recover. Global GDP growth will be the lowest in 30 years at around 2%. And the S&P 500 will see negative growth minus 15 to minus 20%. However, Even with the economic damage from the virus itself, the real damage will be driven mostly by market psychology. Viruses have been around forever. Stock markets should fully recover. We're seeing a lot of predictions that they will recover in the second half of the year. Okay, so that points out what you were talking about feels more like post 9-11 than 2008 crisis. Uh, Now, in the past week, there's been a conflating of the impact of the virus with the developing oil price. That's another thing to watch between KSA and Russia. While reduced energy prices are generally good for industrial economies, the U.S. is now a large energy exporter, so there's been a negative impact on the valuation of the domestic energy sector. This will continue for some time as the Russians are attempting to economically squeeze American shale producers and the Saudis are caught in the middle and don't want to further cede market share to Russia or the U.S. So again, something to watch. We're hearing from coaching clients, Tim, in areas that are oil-dependent that they're seeing a great fluctuation and some nervousness there. So again, it depends on where you live and what's driving your local economy. Um, Technically, the market generally has been looking, we've talked about this on so many podcasts, whether it's the stock market or the housing market, 
It's been looking for a reason to reset after the longest bull market in history. I don't think anybody thought that this would be the reset, but that's what's happening. So here's the most important part of that. Unlike previous, there is no systemic risk. You were talking about why it's more like 9-11. That was an outside factor. Nobody's really talking about that. Governments are intervening in the markets to stabilize them. That's different than before. And the private banking sector is very well capitalized. Again, it's more like 9-11 than 2008. So it should be faster, followed by a recovery, which we'll all take advantage of, I'm sure. Back to you. So it's going to be a tug of war. It's going to be a pendulum. It's going to be whatever sort of analogy you want to think of. That's what our prediction is. You're going to see a very sharp and noticeable decline. Of course, that's what's going to happen because the reality of it is, and Julie's going off to premier coaching. Um, and Julie, why don't you give us uh, another two minutes before you go? Okay. So the, real, the reality of it is, is there's going to be a very precipitous and sharp drop off in the global economy, which will inevitably put us into some sort of recession. But because of what Julie said, especially in the United States, the underlying economy prior to the coronavirus, it was very strong and is very strong. And now really what's happening because the U.S. government, the Fed is over probably correcting on the you know, support the economy side of things, you're going to see the the economy being the, you know, essentially tons and tons of money washing into the U.S. economy, into real estate, into all kinds of different things. Well, look at the latest uh, rate drop down to a quarter Zero, point. Basically. 0.25. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. They're yeah. being so proactive. Right. But, but so, you know, we can argue forever and Julie and I's friend Peter Schiff will argue and you guys, you're going to see a lot of people, the contrarian type investors coming out of the woodwork. They dust them off every time there's a big event like this who are essentially going to call for the collapse of the dollar. Well, I mean, and that if were to happen would be obviously a whole different level of shit show, but we're not really dealing with anything like that right now. And I think as long as the U.S. government and frankly, global governments can continue to artificially, let's say what it is, prop up their local or their, you know, their domestic economies, we're going to see uh, in the United States, especially a, uh, uns a ridiculous amount of recovery in the second half of the year. It's what's the word, Julie? Unsized, missized. It's going to be like it's ridiculous. Disproportional. Or yeah, dispro like that. yeah. It's going well, to be. I mean, look at it this way: rates will still be super low, even right. if they go up a little bit. Right. There probably will be more inventory. There probably will be really motivated sellers. Think about all of your stymied buyers that are going to be ecstatic to even have something to That's look what's at. What's going to happen? That'll and, be awesome. And all the a lot of spring buyers and frankly sellers, the sellers who aren't motivated, are going to take themselves out of the market, and they're just going to wait till the coronavirus scare to clear out because they don't want people walking around their houses. It makes total sense. And buyers are going to do the same thing. Remember guys, the buyers are never really that motivated because at the end of the day, they could still rent. So that's going to leave you with the ultra motivated sellers. But still your spring inventory is going to be really stark. You're going to have to really work hard to find anything for sale. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to work extra hard to get the buyers motivated. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be telling you exactly what to say and exactly what to do to keep your train on the tracks with regards to you know counseling and doctor filling up your buyers and your sellers. But what really matters now, guys, is that you keep your own head on track. You do not allow yourself to get sucked in by CNN and MSNBC and you know Fox News and wherever else you're going. Don't allow yourself to go dark with your mindset because this is not going to last. This is going to be one of those things that when it comes back, I, you know what, I'm expecting based on what we've been reading. And we could, you know, change our expectations, our predictions. We could change them if we see a month from now things are still incredibly worse or if they're getting worse, you know, then we'll have to adjust accordingly. But right now, 
based on all the things we indicated, we really do think the second half of 2020 leading into 2021 will be some sort of new historic boom that essentially the U.S. economy, let alone the global economy, has never seen before. You know, I remember after <laughs> we need to oil our door to our studio. I remember after the um, uh, the, the uh, everyone was essentially stuck in a frugal mode after um, the recession depression of 07, 08, 09, right? People were doing staycations and they weren't spending money. And just all of a sudden what happened? People started experiencing what the press uh, came to be, it, it came to be known as frugality fatigue, which I thought was hilarious. And then people started buying uh, things like crazy, luxury items, cars, houses, does not matter because people want to consume. We're in, this is a consumer-based economy. The U.S. government, most of Western civilization is consumer-based at this point. And the governments are going to do everything in their power to get consumers to consume because that's essentially the fuel of the economy. Ultimately, it can't be uh, so dependent on the Fed like it is now to prop up the economy. And so you're going to have once in a lifetime, and you know, it's funny, we've been saying that forever, but now it's definitely true as rates essentially go to zero overnight lending rates and the banks are going to be able to lower the rates, but you're going to see a massive surge of cash that's going to be available to everyone. Now, why are they doing it? Because people are feeling pessimistic and they're going to overcorrect on the fear side. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to realize, Julie, close the second door, not the first one. So what they're going to have to realize is that basically as this money hits the economy, as you start seeing all this money entering in the economy in the form of low mortgage interest rates and you know the, the SBA is um, uh, putting a ton of uh, essentially easy to qualify uh, small business loans out there, all that money is going to be washed around the economy going into 2021, and that's just going to create what could be another incredible bull market. So look, the reality of it is, is these are uncharted waters. There's not been a... Um, a society has certainly um, and since 1918, basically, it's gone through anything like this. It's going to be worse before it gets bad, but you've got to be the beacon to let people know that it's not going to last forever. Don't be judgy and trying to argue people's feelings one or the other. People are going to react the way they're going to react. They're hardwired to react the way they react. Don't fall into the fray of being one of these fools that essentially tries to, you know, it's almost funny. It's the hype of the, the, um, virus, which so many people were arguing, but I don't think that's going to be the story in the future. I think it's going to be the hype about not believing the hype about the virus, right? That's what's going to be fascinating. How many people are ending up having long-standing, you know, psychological wounds and financial wounds because of the fact that they weren't telling people to take precautions? Um, and we're going to be talking more about that tomorrow, but just do what the government is suggesting. Do what the the disease specialists are suggesting. Don't try to game this. Don't try to question. Don't think you're smarter. Don't think you can essentially find some conspiracy to believe that somehow you're not going to be affected by this. You are. Statistically, 50% of everyone in America is going to get the virus. At differing levels, it's going to affect you once you have it, if you get it, or someone you know and love is going to get it. So take precautions against it. 5% of Americans are supposed to be getting it based on the statistics from the rest of the world in its worst form. And we know it's going to most adversely affect older people with underlying health issues. But that doesn't mean if you don't have underlying health issues, even if you're younger, that you're not going to be adversely affected as well. If you want to really freak yourself out, go online and look to see what this virus does to your lungs. It's the real freaking deal. People are getting pneumonia. Pneumonia, you know, the flu is the number one seasonal killer of elderly people. Pneumonia is the, I think it's the number one killer, period. Every winter, more people die of that. And we don't talk about it, obviously, because we've gotten conditioned to it. But now this is essentially, this virus is acting like propellant 
onto existing problems that many other people have. And so take precautions. Take it seriously. Don't get caught in the political and the politicizing fray of this. Just be a leader. Know that there are certainly going to be brighter days ahead of us. But in the meantime, drill down. And tomorrow, Julie and I are going to give you a specific probably 7 to 10 point action plan of what you need to be doing. Do yourself a favor. Re-listen to this podcast. Go back and listen to our past podcasts we've done on the coronavirus. They're available on um, iTunes. They're available on our uh, website, timandjulieharris.com. On our YouTube channel, they're available everywhere. If you're looking to fill your days with something, there's the first thing you should do is listen to the podcast. Go and get our book because Amazon's still delivering Harris Rules. It's available on Amazon. Barnes & Noble is closed from what I understand, so you're not going to be able to get it there, but definitely order it on Amazon. And use this as an opportunity for you to connect with all the people that you know, love, and care about so that you can essentially be the leader in their lives. They will forever love you and appreciate you for having done that when everyone else is basically seemingly firmly caught in hype mode. In the meantime, if you guys need me for anything or Julie for anything, remember we're here for you. So simply send us or text me at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.